With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Before the new season of Jonathan Pierce and Terry Alderson, the football-friendly, something you might have missed. Here's another chance to hear the episode with Bobby Davro and Tony Pulis. And don't forget to flick through our back catalogue for episodes with Matt Upson, Paul Robinson, Ray Lowington, Pat Nevin, Laura Bassett, Graham Lasso, Motti and more. I'll tell you someone who will have a, um, will have a great view on Manchester United because he was yeah. very animated on the touchline. And, and as a player as well, at Bristol Rovers and uh, wherever he went, he was at Hong Kong for a while, knew where he comes from. and, uh, and Bournemouth? Bournemouth, Hong Kong's best place for him, to be fair. And uh, then he managed at Bournemouth and Gillingham and Portsmouth and Stoke City, took to the cup final, course, and into Europe, and was brave enough to go to Bristol City, love of my life, even though he's a Bristol Rovers man. That's Tony Pulis! Tony hey, Pulis is my guest Tony today. Post. You all right, Tony? Yeah, very good, John. We'll ask you about Manchester United. Who have you got with you, Bobby, today? Me, you're talking to me. No, sorry. Who have you got, Terry? Who have you got, Terry? No, you see, that's not how it works. What? It's very confusing. It is. You don't know who you're talking to now. You haven't said my name, only my first name. I could be anyone. I could be Bobby Ewing. I could be Bobby. No, I couldn't be Bobby Moore. Bobby, someone. Who's a famous Bobby? Bobby Charlton. There you go. Oh, with you, Terry. I've got another famous Bobby. I've got Bobby Damro. <laughs> hey, Joe boy, how are you? Oh, good, Bobby. Thanks for joining us on this wonderful I've, podcast. I've and Tony Pulis. Yeah, Tony Pulis. Pulis. I can't even speak this morning. Tony, <laughs> Tony Pulis. Pulis. I don't normally get up till three. Tony Pulis. Um, hello, Tony. Bobby, how are you, mate? I think we've met before. Um, did we go over to Portugal with Bobby Robson? That's famous Bobby as well. Did uh, you go over there? No. I've never oh, well, met you before. Fair enough, then. <laughs> <laughs> How many clubs have you been a manager of? Um, I think it's 11 or 12. I've done two twice. Yeah, that's Stoke, so wasn't I'm a it? sucker. Sucker for punishment. Yes, a you, sucker player. In all that time, you've never been stitched up by a chairman or a director of football. In all that time. <laughs> Never, ever. He's a clear more... line all the way through. That's right. Yeah, I wouldn't well, mind Tony, talking a bit about Tony that. Tony Pulis has had more, 
more clubs than Tiger Woods. Because I did look you up because I didn't know much about your career. <laughs> and you're quite yeah. prolific on the old um, Google. I, went out, I, I used to be on the Barclays committee to play, pick the player of the month, the manager of the month. We, went, we were taken out to uh, Portugal on a trip, you know, and I went out um, with um, the old chairman of Newcastle, what was his name, John, Sir John Hall, and they went up the river for a port tasting at one of the old famous port houses, Graham's mm. Port House, and we went for this port tasting. There were about 20 of us, and I was with a lad called Dave Smith who used to be a journalist, and everyone else underneath the tables were these, were these trays with sawdust in them. Everyone else was having a little sip of and spitting it out into these trays of sawdust and we didn't know that we didn't know the routine we were two country boys no idea what we we're supposed to be doing so we we're glugging down shot after shot after shot after shot of, of port and then sir john hall was disgusted when i had to be carried back onto the boat on the way home <laughs> and he frowned on me disruptive <laughs> yeah nothing's changed no i don't well i i i I'll talk about a session in your manager's office that you led me into once upon a time. What do, think, what, what do you think of Man United, Tom? No, I think it's it's history repeating itself in, in lots of respects. You know, we're old enough. You know, I'm looking at the age of this um, podcast. We're old enough to, to remember Matt Busby leaving Man United um, and setting such great standards, then winning the uh, European Cup in 68, and then there, there, there was a decline after Samat left. And they went through five or six managers, got relegated. You know, people are saying this is the worst period in their history. It's this, that and the other. People forget that, what was it, 75, 76, they got relegated to what is now the championship. Tommy Doherty got him promoted and, and got him matching again. And to a level, um, you know, that was a little, well, you could say it was acceptable. And it wasn't until Sir Alex came in. Um, the, the club really, really got got it sacked together, and that took five years. So you know you've 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 got to look back at what happened then and compare it to now. And yeah, they're having some bad time, or they're having a bad time, and they've had it for about five or six years now since Sir Alex has left. Um, but it's just history repeating itself, John. And uh, just just as a South End fan, I just would like to interject here. There's no rhyme or reason why they should be. Uh, back as the kings of, F- of football to be fair you know I see what you're saying Tony and uh, they are a massive club but you know as a lower league fan uh, I'd like to say the worst tough shit <laughs> well <laughs> you know, you know, know I mean? I've, like- I, yeah I've, I've been I've been lucky I've been lucky to to manage in all the leagues um, and actually even more fortunate to get promoted out of every league Manchester United is a fabulous club it's, it's one of the greatest clubs in the world and there's no getting away from that I think what has happened since Sir Alex has left is that they've just stumbled from manager to manager to manager. I mm. think the, the the you know the chief executives uh, also left when Sir Alex left, and there's a new one came in. And I think the management from that point onwards has been disastrous, and the biggest disaster has been their recruitment policy. I think you know you were at Brentford on on Saturday. You have a look what Brentford have done, what Brighton have done, clubs of that ilk who are not. Um, as big as Manchester United, but their recruitment has been absolutely fabulous. You know, the, the, the way they've built their football club, the way they've run their football club, you know, it's something to be old for everybody in football. And that includes Manchester United because they've just, like I say, they've just stumbled and stumbled and stumbled into what is now, you know, a massive mess. One, one thing is, I do know Richard Arnold, the new chief executive, and he's a good lad. And I mean, he's a good lad. And I... 
I just hope they give uh, they give the people the opportunity and the chance now to right what has been a lot of wrongs over the past five or six years. He looked in the stand when the cameras cut to him like a man that was so shocked. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror when you last bought me a drink and it was that same sort of look. <laughs> yeah, so I've never bought you a drink. You've always obnobbed into my room after games. So the clubs that I was managing, you were having freebies off then. Always invited by the very kind and generous <laughs> and able manager, I would say. Um, Bob, uh, Bob, you're a Spurs fan, aren't you? I am a Spurs man. I was just listening to you. I did. I looked at the highlights. They were truly awful. If he, I have to be honest with you, I feel as though I feel a bit sorry for Ronaldo because maybe he's past his best. But you know, he's one of the greatest players in the world, and um, he, he can't be having a happy time there. Coming to a club that's at the bottom of the thing, if they get much lower, they'll fall out the newspaper. So <laughs> uh, it, it's sad to see a great team like that. I reckon they'll come back. They always seem to do well. They always start. They started badly for the last few seasons haven't they but they'll come good again they're too they're too they're, they will come good again is you know there, I reckon there's, there's no excuse though for lack of effort is there whatever you're doing I mean if you're, you you go up on stage you two boys go up on stage in a comedy store wherever you're doing whatever huge arena on, on the cruise ships whatever you're up on stage trying to make people laugh you don't work at it you're not going to get laughs you're going to fail and I saw two United players who didn't work well yeah maybe they get to is it because they've got older the older players they're a little bit like, I'll tell you what, they're a little bit like, they're a little bit like Boris Johnson, really, because they're both sat at the bottom of the Premier. And um, see, look, this is topical stuff there. Anyway, that was the impression of Boris Johnson. But, <laughs> um, they have to work, and they, they must, there's, there's a certain arrogance, I find, um, with people. They, they think that, you know, they're footballers. And they can they earn so much money now that maybe they think they're at such a successful club um, that have a fantastic reputation like United have, and then they get a little bit um, uh, what's the word for blase? Blase, yeah. Question that always comes up and is always said. So why we have Tony Pulis here? How do you deal with that, Tony? When someone you see him getting a little bit like well, I, I, when I watch the team. Um, come on the pitch on so I watched the game and, and they come on the pitch on Saturday there's, there's, there was five players who were very very technic technical gifted players mm. but I'm not so sure they've got the character or the spirit when things are not going with them and not going for them to actually be able to dig in and grind a result out and I think if you if you look at the players uh, that are in the team there's a lot of very very good individual players but they've not managed to put a team out where you can actually say, like Liverpool, um, you know, Man City, even Tottenham now with with Conte there, you know, they look a team. Mm. Manchester United have not looked a team. They've they've, they've looked a group of individual players. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, what happened when they're, they're not good enough? But sorry, Bob, they're, they're not no, they're not good enough. They're not good enough to aspire to you know their reputation. Unless, unless that group of players become a team and, and they're miles away from that at the moment. Do you think that had anything to do with, was it Solskjaer taking over from when Sir Alex went? Do you think that that, uh, I thought that that might have been a good move. He came, he came a bit later. Yeah, I just think, I, Bobby, I think you go right back to when Sir Alex left. Like I say, if you look back at history and I, I have a look at the problems the club um, encountered when Sir Matt left. You know, Wilf McGuinness took over, 
Ron Atkinson had a go, Dave Sexton had a go, uh, Tommy Doherty had a go. You can go through the managers, you can go through six or seven managers who had a go before they actually got Sir Alex in. And then it took him five years, Bob, mm. to win a trophy. Now, you're yeah, never going to yeah. get that now, but it took him five years to sort the well, club out. I'll take it back. They don't, Manchester United aren't, they're not like Boris Johnson, and they're more like Prince Andrew. Uh, when Fer- <laughs> they, they got they got in the shit when when Fergie left. <laughs> I just saw that one. It's not like, it's not like me to be. Yeah, it's not like me to be cutting at ten, ten thirty in the morning. Fergie would have sorted that. You had you had your ways, didn't you? Tom? I remember you telling you uh, telling me a story when you were at Stoke and your players were getting a little bit ahead of themselves, and you were going over the Pennines, I think, and. Uh, you just stopped the coach in you and got them out and trained them in a field somewhere up on top of the moors. Do you remember that? No, that that was uh, that was the Gillingham. The, the, yeah, we went to Bob. We went to I think we were playing Wigan or something like that, and we drove up from Gillingham and we'd uh, we'd planned to do our training up there. We tried uh, left early Friday morning. Of course, we got caught in traffic everywhere, and uh, it was midwinter, so it was getting dark about three thirty, four o'clock. And there was no way we were going to get to the training ground we'd booked in time to do any work. So we stopped off on a little country lane. I seen a little gate. I said to the, the driver, if you find a gate, just stop at the gate, stop the bus and stop. You know. So we'll get out. We'll give them a, just a little run, just get some fresh air, get some um, you know, energy and, and some movement in their legs and all. Anyway, you jump over this gate and there's nothing. You, know, you can't add it. You couldn't see more than 30 yards anyway because it was getting dark. And it was absolutely tipping down with rain. There was puddles everywhere. And we had a great spirit at, uh, at Priestfield at that time. You know, it, we had a tremendous group of lads. It was and just we a put field? Some, yeah, just a field. We put some cones out. We run them for about 10 minutes. And they were, they were so engrossed in the spirit and commitment that you, you try and get in teams that they started diving through the puddles. And, and by the time they'd finished, they were black. They were they were they were absolute mud everywhere, and the bus driver refused to take them on the bus to the hotel. So we had to stand up; no one could sit in the seats. We went to the hotel. The hotel wouldn't let us go through the front reception. We had to go round the back. They got out, showered, and everything else. But the point was, whatever you did with them, whatever you didn't do with them, when it came to it, they were a team, Bob. And everybody, everybody did what was necessary to. You I've know, got to win ask, football matches. I've got to ask one question. How many goals did the Cones score? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be sheep, you know. Like, we, you know. Away. we couldn't get the balls out, Bob. <laughs> Les Strong, the old Fulham flag, brilliant old flag. You couldn't even, get the balls out. Hold on. There's a double meaning for that, isn't there? I see what you mean now. Let, you've, been a Welshman. you've been a Welshman. <laughs> did you ever meet Billy Wright? I'm Tony. Met him once. Right. Uh, my girlfriend or future ex-girlfriend um, that I'm, <laughs> I've, I've been on and off, I've, and she's always, she loves football. Her father was Billy Wright and uh, that wonderful footballer, the first place. Yes. Um, 100 caps, wasn't it, in the world, I think it was. Yeah. And um, that was her. And, I, I, and she, oh, she's doing a big promo thing down at, um, at uh, Wolverhampton at Molyneux. And she doing like a, she she did a, a story, a live story. I thought I'd give her a plug because her whole life she she actually accused me of loving football more than I loved her. And we we've been together what fourteen seasons, and um, <laughs> a 
little story on Billy, right? I met Billy and obviously such a famous and wonderful English player. And I couldn't, and he played centre half. I couldn't believe how small he was. Yes. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe, you know, someone that small could make so many appearances for, for England playing centre half. It, it was yeah, 105 caps. He got yeah, 105 yeah. caps for England and, uh, and 107 for Sabutio. He was very small. <laughs> and I, on the Euros, um, Vicky's got a, had a, one of his shirts, number five. And in the Euros, I actually said, I'd like to wear his shirt. And I went to put it on. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a big, I'm not, you know, Matt Lecissier, you know, I'm not, you know, it's, he, he was a big lad with a big bone. But I've, I thought <laughs> I'd fit into it quite easily, but I, it was as tight as anything. And uh, he was small. Never realised how small he was, but he could jump high for a small man. Yeah, games changed, Tony. Didn't it? When you started off as a player, lots of players. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't live now because they're not tall enough. It's, it's more. It's a, no, a I know. But it's, it, yeah, it's it's amazing now. Obviously, the games changed, John. I, I think uh, for the good in 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 lots of ways. You know, there are stuff, there, or there is stuff going on that you know it 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 not embarrasses me, but it's it's what's name. It's not my it's not my life. It's not my world, and I'm quite happy to be out of it. But the uh, you know the the way the players now in respect look after themselves is just absolutely fantastic. Fitness yeah. levels, you know the 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 pitches that they play on, um, you know the the, the <laughs> stadiums, every everything. Bob has just gone through, especially at Premier League level. And to be honest, I watch football from at all levels and even the lower leagues. You have a look at the grounds it's compared. You know, again, fortunate to to manage at most of these old grounds. And you see the new stadiums, Bob, whether it's fourth or, sorry, third division through to the premiership, the stadiums and the facilities are just absolutely first class. Now just, yeah. a, just, a, just a quick story on, we went to uh, Bolton. Who was the great centre-forward at Bolton years ago? Not Nat Lofthouse. Nat Nat Lofthouse. What was it? The Lion of Vienna. Oh, Nat Lofthouse. Yeah, Lion of Vienna. So anyway, me and Kempy, David Kemp, Bob, was my assistant. So yeah. me and Kempy go up to, we're, we're playing Bolton in the Premiership. So they play on a uh, Wednesday. We played on the Tuesday, they play on a Wednesday. So we drive up to watch them. So we get out in the car park and Nat gets out of his car and walks across and says hello. And and we shake hands, you know, absolute legend. So it's just unbelievable meeting the, meeting the fella and shaking his hands, a good, quick chat with him. And as he walks off, I turn to Kempy and I go, Kempy, Look how small he is. That's the Lion of Vienna. And he turned wow. to me and he said, Tom, he's shrunk in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alan Ball. You made- <laughs> I think that's small Alan Ball. Yeah, Alan Ball, yeah. Well, I played, I, I played with Bawley. Uh, Bawley was a great character. He's absolutely fantastic, fantastic person. Yeah, and, he was, um, he's very, quite small. Yeah, but, but he had a high voice. He touch. had a high voice. Two, two touch, John. <laughs> he was he was the best two touch player I'd ever seen in my life. Honestly. I'll tell you the, tell you the story about him. Nineteen ninety two European Championships, England had gone out. You remember uh, Graham Taylor was the manager. It was a horrible, horrible campaign really for them, and it all gone wrong. And I was there uh, working with the radio Bobby Moore, which was his last tournament actually, Bob. And we went to the team hotel the day after they been knocked out and uh, as it was like a castle thing and a long drive walking up to it and we were walking along this drive and all he came hurtling out of the castle towards us and he was he was in tears and um, of course he, Bobby was his b- big mate and he stopped yeah. him and we started talking to him and, and Bob's gone what's the matter what's the matter and he said half of them don't care 
He said half of them don't care. They've been knocked out and half of them don't care. Oh. And uh, it, it's, it so hurt him all those years on, you know. And um, it's, it, it, was, it was a bad tournament from England's point of view, but not, not to care, not to care. What round, what round did they go out? They went out they, in a group. Oh, yeah, that's right. They got back, I think they got back before their postcards, didn't they, <laughs> yeah. in that tournament? <laughs> yeah, that was a dreadful. I remember that night. Yeah, it's, uh, but the, this lack of effort thing, you know, whatever your profession is, you could, I mean, you, Tom, when you started off, Bill Dodging managers like that, Bristol Rovers, big word for Well, Bristol I, I, Rovers, I, I, think I, the big, I think the biggest difference, you know, that we, we're, similar, we're similar ages here, the, the biggest difference is that we had mentors, and mentors looked after us, John, and Bill Dodging was one of them, Bobby Campbell, you know, we had, we had lots and lots of people there. You know, Gordon was was absolutely fantastic. Gordon if you Bennett. stepped out, you, you, if you stepped out a line, they they would jump on you, John, and they they would make sure that you understood and recognised how lucky you were to be in the profession we were in. Is it your greatest regret in life that you didn't me and you for the you didn't <laughs> sign for the real you didn't sign for the real Bristol club? You signed for the well. I actually managed them, and and I had oh. to leave because a bigger club came in for me. So um, uh, you were very popular as manager left. of Bristol City. You were very, very popular. <laughs> well, can I, I tell you something? You don't. It was, an, it was an absolute bob. I went from Bristol City. Listen, I'd been at Bristol Rovers for a long time. Oh, and Bristol City, Dave, Dave Burnside, and um, oh, John Laycock, uh, Steve Lansdowne. Anyway, I became I became manager there. We played Blackpool the first game and won five one. And I got booed off the pitch. I got absolutely sore, honestly, Bob. It was it was good fun. Um, I have to say, because we haven't talked about the great Tottenham Hotspur um, and their stadium, because they got a new stadium. The only trouble is the, uh, they made a mistake. <laughs> the seats faced the pitch. But we're actually in the top four now, so I'm absolutely delighted. And I watched the game yesterday, and we were dreadful. And uh, Chelsea were great, but how we managed to get a point out of it, I do not know. And that hair pulling business—that wasn't nice. Romero should well, no, have been that was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, you got VAR doing that as well. I know VAR don't pick that up. I just don't know. I, I think I think I some up. of the decisions VAR make, having seen the video, you know, you can you can give referees and and people a little bit of grace when they're making the decisions off the spot and not what they're seeing. But then when it goes back to TV and you can actually see what's happened on TV and repeated and repeated and repeated. Some of the decisions are still just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Getting any Surely. better for you? Is it getting any better, Tone? I, th- I think it's better than what it was when it first started, John. I think there's a little bit more clarity in certain things. Um, and you, you're always going to, you know, referees are always going to make mistakes and it looks as though VAR are always going to make mistakes. But it's part of the game now. It's part, you know, that whether we like it or not, it's going to be there. Um, so we have to get on with it. My question on VAR is this, Tony. Um, FA Cup, if you're playing at South End at Roots Hall, then there's no VAR. But if you're playing, yeah. if you're playing at Premier League ground, then there's VAR. So should there be no VAR at all, in my opinion? I, I don't know why in one game there is and there isn't in the other. No, you've got, you know, you've got a fair point in that respect. But I, I, I think the, the, no disrespect to South End, but when, you, when you're <laughs> looking at Man City and, and the Tottenham's and, you know, all the, all the big clubs and the enormous amount of money there is now at the top end of the, the, the football uh, pyramid. You know, there, there has to be, there has to be, I think, some accountability with some of the decisions that referees were making. And it does change the course of a season. It does change the course of, um, you know, people's careers and clubs' 
you know, no, futures. I totally, I totally get that. But what I'm saying, when it comes to the FA Cup, you know, when it, in the FA Cup, if you're playing, uh, I don't know, say if you're playing a lower league ground, there's no VAR in the game. If you play an FA Cup match at a, pre- a Premier League ground, then they use yeah, the VAR. Yeah. So I'm saying what, it should be no VAR in the FA Cup. That's what I'm getting at. Oh, I've got you. One yeah. rule for one, yeah. one, one rule yeah, for exactly, everyone else in one competition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see what yeah. 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 yeah, I've got that. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. JPNT, the football friendly. Arsene Wenger, when he came into to Arsenal, changed a lot about the uh, the game. And a very, very big fan of Arsene Wenger uh, <laughs> is with us today. Probably his number one fan. <laughs> oh, and um, who the, might that be? The, the Tuchel Conte thing. The Tuchel Conte thing at Stamford Bridge. If Tony had ever been quick enough to catch Arsene Wenger, I think we might have seen seen a little bit of that as well. Because you loved him, didn't you? You loved him to bits. No, we, we, had, we, had, we had a smashing relationship, John. And actually, we were, we um, we did some work together. Uh, was it the last year or whatever? And, and we got on famously. It was just that we were two very competitive people. One who had, you know, one of the best clubs in the world and the other one who was... Working with one of the best clubs in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, I was a good fan of yours as well, you know. Uh, I can't even do it. I forgot most of the impressions I've done over this. I used to do Gaza. Go on, I then. used to quite frank. And that's about as good as it's now. It's now all my impressions have gone a bit wonky now. I don't tend to do I've been trying to do um, Harry, Harry Kane. And yeah, uh, it speaks a bit like that. He's got this chair. Well, I'll tell you what I can do. I can do every red that. What are you doing this, mate? What? Trippy, trippy. Gotta go home in a minute. Gotta get the eyes short. What? Look at this watch. Look. Look at this watch. Got a big hand. A little hand and a back hand. Whoa, trippy. <laughs> he, gave you, he gave you your opportunity, Tony, didn't he, managing? Yeah. Nice, man. No, I, I go on well nice with H. He's, he's, what's name? He's a fantastic character. A great football yeah. man. He, he actually produced one of the great Tottenham teams, I he think. He did. Since sixty sixty one, when they did the double, if you have a look from that period all the way through, most probably Harry, people will argue Pochettino when he got his team together, but I still think Harry's team was better than that team. What's your mm. favourite Harry story, Tom? Blimey. Uh, I'm just trying to think of one I could tell over there. <laughs> <laughs> could tell any I you was want. actually with him that week when he got, he thought he was going to get the England job, didn't he, Tony? Yeah. And um, yeah. When he, yeah. I got him some tickets to see a pantomime I was doing at Easter. Um, at, uh, in Bournemouth and he phoned me up and said would you come and get us tickets for the grandchildren I said yeah pleasure 
And then afterwards, we went with Mervyn Wilson, his friend. You probably know Mervyn. He had the betting shops, didn't he? They're yeah. great friends. And we yes. went down to Paul because he lived down in Sandbanks. And we went down to Paul, and it was the week that they were going to make the decision. And I think, you know, I'm not speaking out of turn because Harry's such a nice man and he's a friend of mine, so I'm not speak, I wouldn't want to say anything that's controversial about him. But he, it, I said to him, like, are you going to get the England job? But he couldn't say yes for sure. But I think he thought he was going to get it. And he didn't sign the contract with um, Daniel Levy. And, of course, um, he couldn't go back to Spurs and he didn't get the England job. Uh, so he, he lost out on two jobs that week, you know, and I think that must have upset him greatly. I, th- I think I think he would have been ideal. He would have been be a honest. brilliant manager. Yeah, because he's got such personality. All the play, uh, he speaks to all the players who played under Harry, um, and I was fortunate to play under him. He, he just had a great way with people, um, and I mean, a great, it, you know, people talk about Harry gambling being a bit of a you know Jack the Lad and this that and the other. But as a football man, he's he's a fantastic football man. I, I was lucky enough to to play under him, coach under him, and then obviously got the job. When, when H went off to, to West Ham. So I know him inside out in that respect on the football side. And he's very, honestly, very, very knowledgeable. He was a tremendous coach. Obviously, uh, worked at the, the West Ham Academy with great people there. Um, and yeah, I, like I say, I've got a lot of time to, like I say, I don't know. I'm not, I've never been a great gambler. So, you know, I don't know what that addiction's like, but H loves a punt. I, mean, I think he's got horses all over the place and everything else, but yeah, you take that, you take, you take all that away, and underneath, you know, he is, he is a, a, a very, very knowledgeable football man, and he's a nice man, which is wonderful. I like to meet nice people. That, uh, he, know, yeah. he, know, he, know, yeah. he knows football. He knows footballers, doesn't he? He, know, he can see a footballer right from the start. He can see a footballer that's going to. I, I tell you what he did, John. I tell you what he did and what he could do, and and there's an art in it. He can put a team together. He, he could put a team together with, that was balanced um, and well-directed. And, I, you know, you, you speak to Merson, you speak to all the people who are a little bit um, flighty in their, in their playing careers, and he dealt with them, uh, you know, man on man. He, 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 you know, he'd be able to get the best out of them, never mind what they were up to, what they weren't up to, John. He, he, was, he was absolutely fantastic at getting the best out of people. Who was the uh, manager just before Harry at Tottenham? Who was what was his name? Came in quite an arrogant. I can't remember his bloody name. What foreign and, manager? Christian yeah. Gross. Yeah, it was Christian Gross. Was it? Yeah. So, so my yeah. good friend and next door neighbour at the time was Paul Stolteri, who had uh, gone through a bit of a ropey time, and Gross put him playing with the kids, and Paul, being the pro that he is, went, "Okay, fine, no problem." Which is must be terrible for a f- pro to have that happen to them, especially when they're a really decent person as well. But the point being is, when Harry came in, the first thing he did is he, he got all the pros together and he went straight up to Paul and said, look, you know, I can see I can see what's going on here and maybe you, you want to move on. But, you know, first thing, let's get your squad number back and let's get you yeah. back, in the, let's get you back in the team. And this is ridiculous that you've been treated like this. No, Harry, Harry was brilliant, like I say, dealing with people. He, he, was, he was most probably the best manager I ever played with who could leave you out of the team and you'd walk out of the room having a one-on-one with him and feel elated. How he did it, I don't know. You'd, you'd walk, you'd be in the room, and he's telling you he's not playing you, and you, you, you know, you're supposed to be really uptight, gutted, this, that, and the other. Yeah. And he'd say so many wonderful things about you. You'd walk out of the door, six foot two, and by the time you'd at second, third step outside the door, you'd think, well, he's just dropped me, he's just, yeah. just left me out. Yeah. But he was That's- just absolutely 
fantastic it's man manager. That's what brilliant. respect, isn't it? Bri- yeah, but that's like yeah. brilliant teachers, isn't it? When you're a kid, you had that teacher that you didn't want to upset, and if you did upset, you felt terrible if they were shouting at you. That's what I imagine Harry to be like. He's one of those people that you just want to like. I, I remember him doing a press conference uh, at West Ham, and uh, it was when young Frank Lampard was coming through and Rio Ferdinand, and they had some good kids coming through there. And uh, Harry's gone, yeah, we've got another one. We've got a jewel coming through, an absolute jewel, but we're keeping him away from the press. We're protecting him from the press. I'm not even going to give you his name. I'm not even going to give you his name because he's a jewel and he needs protecting. And we've got young Frank and we've got Rio in there. We've got this young jewel coming through. I'm not even going to give you his name because he needs protecting. But I'll tell you what, Joe Cole will be a fantastic player. <laughs> when <he comes. laughs> uh, I mean, didn't it? Is it down to um, sometimes issues between managers that they don't get wages because the manager doesn't like the person. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the Welsh lad that came over, what's his name, wonderful player, Bale, Gareth Bale. And um, they didn't like it. Where did he go to? Did he go to Barcelona? Or Real, Real Madrid. Madrid. It was Real Madrid, wasn't it? And then I he, he, I think he did really well for him in, in the final. He scored a few goals or something. And then the manager didn't seem to like him and didn't play him. Like that. So oh, I, I think, yeah, I think there's two things, two things as a manager, Bob, that you, you'd answer that by. First of all, you pick your best team irrespective of whether you like players or don't yes. like players, because if you don't yeah. win games, you ain't going to be in the job long enough. So that that's one point. But also, you can, you can have a situation where you feel, like John's talked about, that a person has got a lot of potential or has got more. He's, he's got more in the locker the more he's given. And then yeah. that, that is the time when you, you can get very frustrated, very annoyed, um, and think the best thing for, for the lad to do is go somewhere else. And, yeah. and I, used to have a, I used to have a thing, Bob, about windows um, in respect of transfer windows. And there was people, there was, you know, if we just mentioned Stoke, there was people at Stoke who I believe we could build a foundation 10 years with like Houthi, Shawcross, John Walters, you know, Glenn Whelan, people, like, people of, of that ilk who were just absolutely rock solid characters. And, and, you know, you'd want to give them two, three year contracts. And then you had other people. And one of them was Jermaine, Jermaine Pennant, who was a tremendous player. But Jermaine needed, he you know, he, need, he needed a new challenge all the time and a new challenge yeah. to excite him. So he was like a two, three window player. After that, you're best off moving him on. He'd go somewhere else and do okay for a short period and then he'd drop off again. Mm, and yeah. that, that was Jermaine. The characters are different. So as a manager, you know, it... it, it uh, you know, I once spoke to a very, very famous manager. They, they were talking about bringing psychologists in all the time in, in the Premier We've got to get psychologists in. We've got to get them. And I can remember him saying to me, Tom, there's no bigger psychologist than managers. Yeah. You're dealing with individuals away from the pitch all the time. And they can't, they can't provide anything that we've not already tried or tested. Yeah. Amazing, I, I, really. I look at like a lot of... Um, when you talk about that motivational speaking and stuff, and the motivation tapes, there's two I look at, two videos I look at quite regularly. One is Denzel Washington, which is one called uh, Full Forward. And it's about having a goal. And that's not the, a football pun, but you've got to have something like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was, um, he, he had a goal. He wanted to be Mr. Universe. And he, he worked his nuts off to become the, the best weightlifter in the world, the best bodybuilder. Yeah. And um and then he went into acting. He, he started for nothing. And he was he was carrying bricks or something and he went out every day. He worked so twenty four hours in a day and he broke it down. You know, he got eight eight hours you sleep yeah. if you sleep. And the amount of people waste time I do now, because I've got older, 
I don't have the motivation. I, I've lost my goal. I don't know where to go with what I do. I've been doing yeah. it. I don't know anything else to do, and I haven't got a specific thing I'm trying to aim at. And that's, yeah. that gets uh, gets harder as you get older. Do you not still get a massive buzz, though, when you, you're, up, you're up there on stage and you have that wash of laughter coming back from the people who are in front of you? Do you not? No, I don't, I don't miss it at all, John. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> Not me. Hey, let me ask you something, Tony. You know when you're uh... <laughs> great answer, Tony. You know when you're there and you, as the manager, and you and you realise the England manager's in watching a certain player that you've got. Have you ever had a time where you're thinking to yourself, "Please have a mayor today," because I, I don't want him going into a. <laughs> To international no, duty. I, no, I, 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 I did get very. We, we didn't have Shawcross played for England, but we didn't have a lot of English internationals. Um, we had a lot of uh, West Indian internationals. We had a lot of Irish, Welsh lads, and I used to get frustrated when they go away on friendly uh, fortnights when it was friendly games. I, I always thought that was, um, you know, that that took that took them away from the clubs. Uh, for too long um, and it was very very frustrating being a manager who, who had to really work hard on on the, the shape of the team and the commitment of the team to get results week in week out I think for the top players the top players are the top players because they've got the best ability but they've also mentally and physically they are so good it's frightening and that's think- there's a difference between the top top players and they, they can cope they cope with things much easier than people who are just below that level um, but no, I've, I've, you know, if they get picked, they get picked. I, I was always concerned with what they did for the fortnight away, um, on the pitch and off the pitch. And I'd always have the physio after every game. We would ring them and check up, and then report to me the next day how they did. Were they injured? Were they not injured? You know, what what state of mind they were in. So, you know, you're hoping they would come back fresh. Well, they weren't fresh, but come back in enough um, or good enough condition to play that next game. Do you think this World Cup's going to? Uh, it's going to take a, a toll on the season, isn't it? In what you're saying, you know. I, I think it's. I, th- I think it's absolutely astonishing that um, that Qatar got the World Cup. I think it's absolutely astonishing that they're playing it at the time they're playing it. I've, I, I, you know, I've seen so many things in my life over football evolve and change, um, but I never ever thought I'd see a, a World Cup being played midwinter. Never. Do you think it's also going to affect the transfer window now? Because players thinking, well, shall I move? Shall I move? What if it doesn't work for me, this transfer to say, say Chelsea, where I might not get so many games as I would do at my yeah. current club? Because I've got a World Cup place to play for. Do you think players are going to maybe think about not moving on in the next no, couple of weeks? I, I, I think uh, 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 transfers have always been motivated by finance. Um, with the agents and the players, and I think if 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 it's right for the agent, it's right for the player, and it's right for the football club, the deal will be done. John, I don't think they'll think football. Can I ask something about the England teams now? Then? Do you think in the old days when I mentioned Billy Wright, they'd seem to play for their country? You know, they had a certain amount of pride, and England often get accused of, oh, their heart's not in it. They're so well paid now, the motivation isn't there. The, the you know the they don't. It's not the pride anymore. It's all about money. Would you agree with that? To no, a certain extent? no, I not don't. at all. I don't think I, any I, professional I think every player, Bob. Yeah, every no. player, Bob, Goes that plays for their country will go out there and do their damnedest. Yeah, yes. to win. And 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 that I don't. I've I don't. Said that. 
I don't think there's 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 you know. But what has happened is that I think international football, because of the friendly matches that we used to have, they've changed it now. I think they got to a stage where they were getting criticised. They knew they were getting criticised, so they started up this new UEFA League thing um, to give it a purpose, so they could play as many games. So you know the the different um, associations can still make the money they were making. But I think when we had you know. Um, England playing whoever, you know, San Marino in a friendly match and, and you know, you've got people, managers making third, uh, 10 changes at half-time and all. It just devalued the, 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 the caps. Yeah. It devalued the international scene. Um, when you look at, you know, the great players of, of my time, the Bobby Charlton's, Bobby Moore's, all those players, you know, we talked about Borley and those who got 100 caps, 60 caps, 70 caps, whatever it was, they were proper caps. They were playing. They were playing proper games. You know, they weren't playing all these friendly matches just to bring money in for the associations. And yeah, I think I that. you know, it's 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 it still annoys me because there's this. You know, it's it's a mask uh, behind what the countries are doing, and that is the the FAs of the countries, especially in Europe, are generating this money now from these leagues uh, or from this league tournament. I just, I just feel as though, uh, you know, they had to do it because people were starting to find out these friendly games were not about playing for their country, but uh, about the associations making money. You've given the FA, you've given the FA a fair amount of finance in your time, Tony, haven't you? Really, in, in fine. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got fined quite a few times, John, for being oh. a naughty boy. I coached for a while, lads, and uh, Tony knows this, and. Uh, I was not very chart. well, Bob. Was, not very well. Uh, excuse not very me. Well. Excuse, excuse me. Ten years. <laughs> ten years. Ten cup finals. You know. Yeah. You, I think you had the one, didn't you? All right. You play Manchester City, and I wasn't. But anyway, anyway that's by the by. I'm just saying. Just put it out there. But uh, anyway, I was up on a charge because um, <laughs> the referee was at fault one day. I wasn't. Anyway, and uh, so I phoned up my mate here, and I said, "Oh, I'm on a charge." It was actually one of several, <laughs> several that I was on, and a little period. Anyway, so I, I, I was, I was concerned about this. Obviously, quite frightened by it, and. Um, he just texted back pictures of prison cells and stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, there you are. But I got. What teams did you did you coach? Me, I coached junior teams around around where I live in Sussex in Leafy Sussex. Oh, fair play. So uh, yeah, from all the way up to under twenty level. And um, it, here's a well. good question I want to ask for you. Uh, you leave us. It's about the England team, uh, the girls, the ladies. They did us proud, didn't they? Fantastic that was. Um, will it ever be as popular as the men's? I, I, I spoke. I spoke to Jonathan this morning, Bob, and um, you know I, I was watching um, the golf on the TV and the ladies playing golf. And then you look at the tennis, you look at the cricket, you look at the, the football, and the level of from when we were younger, the level of um, uh, competition now and the standard that the the ladies and the girls are at is just fantastic. Absolutely blows your mind, really. And I think it's the same with with football. But are they on the same level as as men's football? They, they're not. But what they've done and what they've achieved is absolutely f- fabulous. And it'll be yeah. interesting. There's a, there's the, the league starting up soon, um, the ladies' league, and John will know that better than me. And it'll be interesting to see what um, what crowds they get and what response yes. they get from the public. The, because the, that was the everybody question, yeah. everybody jumping on board with the uh, with with the Euros and everything else. That that's fantastic. Um, you know, it's media run, it's media driven. But you know, turning up on a wet night, 
you know, on a Wednesday, Tuesday. It'll be interesting to see what crowds they get. From my point of view, Bob, you know, I, I started doing the Lionesses 10 years ago, whenever it was, and, and they, they used to get crowds of 7, 8, 10,000, building, 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 through 15 in, in Canada when they finished third, and then 17 in the Euros in, in the Netherlands when they got to the semi final, World Cup 19 when they reached the semi final. This was unbelievable. It was unbelievable to be part of it. The whole journey and messages I got from the players via the FA were very touching. Um, to you know, involving what I'd done, my little role I'd played uh, in commentating on over the years. But they, in terms of equality, uh, to answer your question, will it ever be as popular as a men's game? It will be if they fill Old Trafford with seventy thousand and they fill the Emirates with so many tens of thousands, and they'll only be able to do that if they're allowed to play on a regular basis in those stadia. My big thing about the WSL and the club football is they need to be self-sufficient, not propped up by monies from the FA, get into the men's stadia to share those stadia facilities properly, and then we can test the water. Then we can say, yes, look, they're getting 25,000, 30,000. Because at the moment, the WSL games have fewer fans than a lot of the teams in in, in lower reaches of, of the English Football League or even top non-league clubs, and that has to yeah. be addressed. And until it is, it, it, they won't have equality and it, they won't, it won't be as popular. It's growing and it was fantastic to be part of and I'm so proud of them and it was a wonderful occasion. I cried like a baby during the commentary no, final. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I loved it. I, re- I, I loved it as well. It was very emotional and, uh, and we haven't talked much about uh, um, the game of show business and comedy. But now, Gary Lineker, of course, said it, it was a fantastic performance, bra, none. And he gets criticised for it, whether you're a fan of Gary's or not. Um, it was ridiculous. It was a funny pun. And um, I think it would, it would this, this fear of, um, of, you know, they're women and we're men, it, this sexism that's creeping in. I think that, that it was great motivation for the boys going out to the World Cup to actually pull their socks up and go and make... Uh, and make a statement on behalf of the net because the women did fantastic. How, how do you... I know how I, as a football commentator, you have to be very, yeah. very guarded on what yeah. you say and what you can't say. And I know that's the same with Tony's as football oh. manager or as a co-commentator. What about you two? What about you two, Bob, Bob and Terry? Well, when, when you're... Case in point at the moment, isn't it, with, uh, with Edinburgh, with Jerry Sadovich. You know, they pulled his show, didn't they? The yeah, Pleasants pulled his show, uh, which now, which we've always known for many years, that Edinburgh Festival is a corporate entity. We've all known that, but it's, ne- it's never been mentioned. But now that that has been pulled, it just got The hypocrisy show... of it, Terry, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's not a fringe festival anymore, is it? It's not an arts festival. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a showcase, and, um, and the Pleasants make a fortune. The problem is we don't know. You can read about it, uh, about Jerry, what he said, and, w- and whether you agree or not agree with it. But the thing is, we weren't there, and I know Sadovich. And if you take it out of context, what he said is terrible. But if he might have been in a rant on a rant about blah blah blah, well, here's something. Then have this. So he could have gone to the extremities of. Going, yeah, but then they're not seeing him. They're not seeing him for what he is because he, that's what he does. It's almost um, this ranted and this outrageous thing that he does um, is done purposely it's not done correct I think what was the it's but, but it's all know- right to be offended by by you can be offended by anything basically it shouldn't be down to one person's opinion whether they just because they're the manager of a, of a theatre whether it's right or wrong that's up for debate but the fact is people walked out and then they had their right to walk out other people stayed yeah, I, mean, yeah I know where he's going to so do you think I'll throw this to all three of you do you think we live in a period now where everyone seems to have an automatic right to be regularly offended. 
They they yes. almost demand the right to be regularly offended at anyone. And I wonder. I'll I put think... this to Tony Pulis first of all, whose dad were dad was a steel man, worked in the steelworks. I think. Um, you know, from a f- family that came over from Malta originally, wasn't it, Tone? Yeah, and, um, yeah. And what it, I would imagine the banter in the steelworks was fairly was fairly caustic. And I wonder what he would feel about and when he brought you up, if you had had a little bit of flack from a coach or a fan, and you, nah, you, dad, you dad, dad, moaning about yeah, it. Yeah, dad, dad was, you know, obviously we. Um, my grandfather was Maltese, could hardly speak any English. So, you know, we're second generation immigrant or I'm a second generation immigrant, really. Um, but dad, dad was one of um, these people that took people face value. And whether you were whatever color you were, whatever creed you were, it was the person. It was always the person that was important. And if he was a good person or a bad person and there's good and bad, whether you, you were Catholic, Protestant, whether you were black, you were white or whatever. That had nothing to do with it. The big thing was whether he was a good person or whether he wasn't a good person. And I think what has happened now, we've just gone too far. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think the internet has given a voice to a lot of, lot of bad people. And they, and, and they just spin it round. They spend all their lives spinning things around and turning it against what was, you know, the, the, the norm maybe years and years ago. Yeah, there, there, there are things that we've had to improve on. There's things that we had to make sure um, that we were made aware of that w- were offensive and wasn't. But there's loads of stuff, John. I'm absolutely delighted that I'm not on the, the websites, not on the internet. It took my wife three quarters of an hour to turn this blinking video thing on. So I'm, I'm, really ple- I'm, I'm really pleased that I've got really, really good friends around me. I've got a lovely family around me. Um, and, uh, you know, I try and keep into that, keep in that group. But you've got to be, it is. like you're saying, Bob, it, you know, you're frightened to death to say anything now, just in case you offend people. And, yeah, and you're entitled to be offended. Right, that's not, yeah, that's not right, Bob. I don't think that's right. Well, you're entitled to be offended about anything that doesn't make you right. There's, there's always going to be an argument everywhere. But my, my thinking is when people say you can't say that anymore, you can say what you want. Yeah, you, you might, can say you, what might, you, you might get hung out for it. And the hypocrisy that exists now in comedy, like, you know, they banned well, Jerry Sadovich. Does that mean they're going to ban... Um, you see, that, 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 I'll always go on stage and say what I want to say, and no one's going to stop No one's going to stop me doing it. But we weren't there, so we don't really know. Yeah, Terry, just just quickly, because, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of, like, involved in, uh, you know, the media more than me in that respect. Do you think it'll ever change? Do you think uh, we'll ever get back to normality? Yeah, Tony, it's just going to get pushed that way. I think. I Do you think? think you know, honestly, yeah, Bob. I think. I think, I think it's going to be. I think Bobby's right. I think what's happened here with with Jerry coming out there, you know, it's because if you look at the moment as well. I mean, we're really getting off topic here, but if you look at the Trump situation, this witch hunt that's gone on now, love or hate Trump, you know, he stands very much for the right wing, and and if you if you're saying what you're saying, you know how the internet's being used by this kind of woke left wing. Uh, there is there is a kind of right wing left wing war going on at the moment, and, and there seems to be that way. Trump is very to, much being, you, you know, you got to say, Jerry, you got to say, <laughs> Donald J. Trump. What does the J stand for? Genius, genius. <laughs> but but ter- Terry, Terry, just just quickly on that point, yeah, and and it's and it's a very very important point. It is, and 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 it really really does stick with me at times. There's too many people far right. And there's too many people far left. 
and we're forgetting about the middle ground well, I, where we give a little bit and we take a little bit. I think there's and still that there, worries Tom. me. That worries me about uh, society today. I, I think what get flag, get, gets flagged up, Tony, is what we're talking about. I think most people that you and I meet in the street and, you know, I, I still know there are people out there that will pick up the wallet they found and hand it in if, if you get yeah. what getting at. Yeah. Also, I, yeah, I, I, I like think, to think I, that. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. the majority of the world is like that. Um, I think sometimes it's treated badly by the press I think, you know, a, a lot of misinformation comes out in this world that we're in at the moment, and that's quite kind of scary. But, I mean, we're opening up. There's so many things we can open up here, whether it be the government that's being chosen or is choosing itself again, and um, and the the whole thing of... But you can't uh, eradicate, Terry, again, you can't eradicate history. And I wouldn't do the things maybe I did 30 years ago on television... Um, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't choose to do it myself. No, because you're no different now. But I can't change history. Terry, just quickly, just 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 finishing on something that uh, you've travelled, I've travelled. This is still the greatest country in the world. Agreed. Uh, it's it the greatest be. country. Every, every, it, it, everywhere it, it, I go. England. England. Uh, it's no, Tony Wales. Peter saying England. Britain, <laughs> Britain, Britain, great Britain, John. Yeah. Listen, let me tell you something. We see these uh, refugees risking their lives across the channel, right? I really wish that one of those refugees has a sense of humour and wore wore the Arsenal shirt just so we could see the sleeve sponsor, which says "Visit Rwanda." <laughs> the irony, the irony, the irony. There's so much negativity that goes on and everything else, but yeah. when you know, we I've just we've just travelled a bit myself and Debs. And I'm always pleased to come home. Absolutely, Tony. I'm always pleased to get back always. to to where. And, and I've never, ever, ever been any different. And there's problems. We've got this going on. We got and the, yep. the blinking news. You know, you turn the news on now. There's so much negativity. It's frightening. You know, no. no we've had a wonderful summer. You can't believe it. And they've moaned and groaned about it being too hot. You know, it's the first summer we've had without having any rate. It's like I, being I in that. Southern Europe. I, you know, I people tell people spend a fortune to go to Southern Europe because of the weather. It makes had, no... they've had, they've, they've, they don't have to go. They We're can stay in England summers. because it's been fantastic. Exactly. We're but having... what do they find? we got a drought going on. Don't go out because it's droughts. too hot. You're going to faint. You're going to fall over. <laughs> this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Absolutely ridiculous. It's but madness. all it's that madness. goes on. Still the best country in the world, mate. Correct, correct. Listen, but it we, is we crazy got, times. We, we, we're coming to the end, so I've got to tell you this story. I started, started <laughs> off. Of so I'll, I'll just refer this to right at the start of the podcast. Coming to the end of the season at Crystal Palace, Tony Pudis was named Premier League Manager of the Year. He'd taken them from a relegation position, almost certainly go down to, I think it was 11th tone. And it came to the last <laughs> game of the season. They played Liverpool, I think it was. It was a midweek night. And my kids, he very, very kindly invited my wife and my kids up to his room afterwards. And we went in there. Debs' wife was in there and, and the coaches and the chairman at the time. They all disappeared. And then there was just us in the room. And he's opened up the fridge and the fridge was full of wine and beers and everything like that, as most Premier League managers do still have in their rooms, despite what you might hear and read otherwise. And he went, right, it's the last game of the season and we've got to finish it. And I said, what? as I would do, you know, because I didn't know what he meant. And he said, we've got to finish all this. So we probably did. The two kids didn't drink because they were underage. Three kids, I think my daughter was there. My wife was driving, she didn't. Debs was driving, I don't think she did. So the two hogs in the room, 
trunk everything that was to be trunk. And uh, it was atrocious behaviour. It was atrocious. So when he said a minute ago, when he said a minute ago, it's lovely to be surrounded, he said, I'm surrounded by friends and looked at me. You're not my friend, Mr. Pulis, because you nearly killed me that night. <laughs> you nearly killed me. <laughs> it's great fun. I don't think the chairman would have appreciated it anyway. No. Is this Stoke? Is this Stoke you're talking no, about? No, Palace. Oh, Palace. Oh, I've got something for you. I've got a, I found the other day, and I found a, a Palace shirt all screwed up in a plastic bag, and I'm going to hold on to it because they're 20 pence in plastic bags. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the Spurs. <laughs> Thank you once again to the wonderful Bobby Davro, my mate, my inspiration for my whole career. Oh, Bobby Davro. Mum used to go, quick, Bobby Davro's on the telly, and I used to... And i got to thank you. i got to thank you for telling me, showing me, gave me a, a video to how to do the uh, Lee Evans impression. And oh, yeah, uh, I I I've watched it. But he said at the end, he said, you've got to be able to do it and you've got to do it in your underpants. And that's what he was doing. He's just him in his underpants. <laughs> yeah. He said, teach me a Bobby Davro impression. Oh, uh, sorry, no. a Lee Evans impression. And it was in my old house. And, it, and I only had my pants. So when he went, I need it now. I went, all right. So I put it, I put the phone up. My mum pants go, right, yeah. So, um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um But anyway, uh, thank you for being on, on, on the, the friendly with me and JP and T, the football friendly. Uh, Jonathan? Thanks, Tony, and thanks to Bobby and Tony. And I oh, go a long, a long, we go back a long, long way, many, many decades. And the shame about Tony Pulis is he did choose Bristol Rovers and uh, he did <laughs> choose great players to idolise there, whereas I chose the God side of the city, Bristol City. And I, my idol was Jerry Gow, who, let's be honest, Tony would have kicked you and kicked you and kicked you and kicked you again and again and again. He did, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, mate. Greatly appreciate it. All Brilliant. of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff, that. Wonderful stuff. Don't forget, we have, we've got our own Twitter account uh, where we tweet up-to-date things about football. And if you want to catch us on that, it's uh, JPNT Football. That's on Twitter. Um, where are you the weekend, Jonathan? I've got a couple of games uh, for the BBC at the weekend. West Ham uh, Brighton is on the Sunday and on the Saturday I'm at uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, they're at home to Aston Villa, so I've got two BBC games and a French game for BT as well on Sunday. And before that, I've got a European Champions League uh, playoff game, which I'm sending that the comedy goes out to the world. So uh, that's uh, that's a, that's a game I'm looking forward to as well. It just never stops, never stops, mate. Never stops. You just never and I'll just be in my house, walking around in my pants, crying. So. Everything's good. That's it for this week. That's it for this week until uh, next Monday. Um, we should have a, a belter of guests. We'll find them during the week. Uh, don't forget to like us. Uh, don't forget to follow us. And uh, and so until next week, Jonathan, thank you very much, Jonathan Pierce. Thank you very much, Terence. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Cheers. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.